this is Leah, and welcome to this week's Hashtag for Paris podcast. It is wonderful that you could join us for this week's teaching. I'll explain a little bit more about who we are at the end, but for now, let's jump right in. The scripture reading this morning is really a song. It's from the book of Psalms, which is actually the songbook of the Jewish people and has been a reality uh, in the Christian community for generations upon generations. I'm not going to sing it, but I'm going to read Psalm 126. When the Lord brought back the captives to Zion, we were like men who dreamed. Our mouths were filled with laughter and our tongues with songs of joy. Then it was said among the nations, The Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us, and we are filled with joy. Restore our fortunes, O Lord, like the streams in the Negev. Those who sow in tears will reap with songs of joy. And he who goes out weeping, carrying seed to sow, will return with songs of joy, carrying sheaves with him. A little girl once asked her father this question. Do all fairy tales end with the words, they lived happily ever after? And her father said, no, there are some fairy tales that end with the words, if elected, this is what I promise to do. And most of us might like the fairy tale ending, and they lived happily ever after. But life does not always work out the way we planned, and many people feel robbed of their joy. We're at the beginning of 2023, and at the beginning of 23, many people are looking back onto 2022, but we are now looking forward. What will this year unfold? Do you live with any sense of expectation? I was reading in the Huff Post about the 10 things people wanted in the year as they look ahead. Now, these were people who were actively engaging in employment. And as you look at the screen, you will see that there are 10 things that people wanted. And number one was happiness. I'm not surprised that a lot of people wanted money. Some wanted a sense of freedom from what they were doing in their work. Some said they'd like have peace in their heart. Uh, some said joy, although they weren't really sure how to define that. Some said, I need a more balanced life, or I need fulfillment in what I'm actually doing. I would love to have confidence in myself, or a stability in life where things are not in such a state of upheaval. I would like to have passion. But if you go back to that list, you will see the number one thing that most people wanted was happiness. And as I was thinking about it, I've discovered that happiness is not the same as having joy in your life. And so here's what I think is the difference. Happiness is dictated by the circumstances of life that I experience, whereas joy is something that is cultivated within me. For many people, happiness comes and goes. I can be happy one minute because I have things that bring me happiness, but then when it's gone, where is the happiness? 
But joy is something that is constant. Because we need to understand this, that joy comes from the one who gives joy to us. It is the reality that God is working in our lives and is present even in the midst of sorrow and great disappointment. So joy is a reality that is going to penetrate our life when we center our lives in God. And when our lives are centered in God, our perspective begins to change, regardless of the problems or struggles or difficulties that you might be facing. And so this psalm that we just read helps us to understand how joy can be present in our life. This is called a psalm of ascent. And there are a number of these psalms that are in the Bible. And these are psalms or songs that pilgrims would sing as they made their way to Jerusalem for many festive events. And they would sing these songs over and over and over again. In fact, the Jewish people sing these songs even to this very day. So this psalm is going to help us to think a bit about our past. But to understand the past, we need to go to a different psalm, first of all. It was Psalm 137. Now to understand this, these Israeli people, these Jewish folks, had been captives in Babylon for 70 years. Now you imagine being a captive for 70 years. Life would not be easy. They had many difficulties and problems to overcome. But more than anything else in their heart, they wanted to go home. They wanted to go back to their country. And so as they are captives in Babylon, their captives said this to them in verses 1 to 4. By the rivers of Babylon, we sat and wept when we remembered Zion. And our captors asked for songs. They demanded songs of joy, of Zion. But how can we sing the songs of the Lord while in a foreign land? So here they are in Babylon. And what do they do? They are sad. They are dismayed. They are weeping when they thought about Zion. Now, Zion is a term that refers to the presence of God. And the presence of God was visibly focused for these people in Jerusalem. And so they're thinking of their home and worshiping together in the temple and worshiping God. And they said, that's not going to be a reality for us here in Babylon. And so in the midst of their tears and sorrows, they wonder, will we ever laugh again? Their captor said, sing for us. Sing songs of joy. What is that like when you're supposed to be happy and in the midst of your life you're feeling really sad? And they said, so how can we sing the songs of the Lord when we are in a foreign land? Well, the answer is given to us in Psalm 126. God is saying to these people, in my time, your sorrow and your sadness will be lifted. 
And in an amazing way, through an act of God, these captives were released and sent home. The emperor at that time was King Cyrus, and the year was 538 BC. These people had been captives in this country of Babylon for 70 years. And almost miraculously, as if it was overnight, Cyrus said, you can go home. God began to miraculously turn things around. They were in shock. And so we read these words. When the Lord brought back the captives of Zion, we were like people who dreamed. They thought they were in a dream state. They can't believe it's happening. We're going to be able to go home. And it's almost like people say, pinch me. Is this reality or am I still dreaming? God actually did the impossible. And so that's why these pilgrims would sing this song every year. It was a reminder of God's goodness and God's graciousness in their life. And that's why many people still sing this psalm over and over again in their life. So now you can understand these words that they began to sing in verse 2. Our mouths were filled with laughter and our tongues with songs of joy. The Lord has done great things for us and we are filled with joy. You understand the laughter and joy that is now a part of their life? I think it's important that we remember and we recall what God has done in our life. And so these people were remembering for 70 years we were in bondage. We were slaves in Babylon. But then we were set free. It's important that we remember and recall how God's grace has been active in our life. But if we're honest, and if I'm honest with you, there are times I forget. And sometimes when I forget, we start to complain. Or maybe we think God is unfair and not treating us the way we think we ought to be treated. And then sometimes we start to feel sorry for ourselves. And then sometimes we just get angry with God. There are many people who have developed this little simple practice every day, and I would encourage you to consider it and then actually do it. It only takes a few moments at the end of your day. But just mentally walk through your day and ask yourself this question, where have I seen God at work in my day? And then write down, what am I grateful for? Or what am I thankful for in terms of what God has done in the day? And then write it in a little journal. And sometimes you can go back and read those pages again, and it reminds you of what God is doing in your life. So they celebrated as they thought about the past. But they said this, Lord, would you do it again? God has worked in the past, and he will not change. And he is working now, not always according to the timetable that I might have, but God says, I am working ultimately for your good. And that's why we become people of hope. So this psalm has two images. The first one is this. Lord, would you restore our fortunes like the streams in the Negev? 
Now, remember, they had been captives, and they were back home. And they said, Lord, now would you restore our life, like the streams in the Negev. Now, a lot of people might not know what the Negev is, but it's a vast desert area in the northern part of Egypt. And there are water courses through the desert. They're like ditches. And they have been created by the wind and by the rains that would come and acts of erosions, like little streams in this desert. But most of the year, this desert is like baked clay. It seems like nothing can grow. But then God sends the rains. And almost overnight, the desert begins to blossom and flourish. The grasses grow. The flowers bloom. And that's what they are saying. God, in the barrenness of our lives, we are waiting for your invasion of grace so that we can blossom and grow. Restore our fortunes, Lord. Let us bloom and grow like the vast desert of the Negev. But then there's a second image, that those who sow in tears will reap with songs of joy. Now, the first image, the rivers of the Negev blossoming and flourishing, points to what God does and his work. But the second image, sowing in tears, points to the fact of how we work with God. Now, if I'm completely honest with you, I like it when it's quick and easy. But sometimes God's way is working much slower and at a greater depth. And so these people had been carried into exile for 70 years, and they had sowed many tears. They knew what it was like to suffer, to be disappointed, to have heartache and trouble. And that is like, in a sense, the seed that they were giving to God. And over the years, they kept giving those seeds of tears to God. You know, when you plant the garden next spring, you will put seed into the ground. You're not going to have a crop overnight. It's going to take time. And something beautiful begins to emerge. And so this is what they're saying. Sow your tears, give it to God, and ultimately he will enable us to experience joy in our life. So those who wrote this psalm, they sang it. And they were not strangers to pain, and they weren't strangers to suffering in their life. But we have a God who knows how to take our tears and even transform it. There's a wonderful story in the Old Testament about a woman whose name was Naomi. And she and her husband uh, were living in Israel. And life became very, very difficult and hard because of famine and other problems that arose. And so they decided to try their livelihood in the land of Moab. And they went there and they had two sons. And these young men grew up and they married women from Moab. One of the daughters-in-law was called Orpha, and the other was called Ruth. But disaster hit their homes. Naomi's husband and her two sons died. And here are these three women left as widows. Naomi thought, I'm an older woman. I need to go back to my people where maybe I can find a life again. 
And so she says to her two daughters-in-law, you stay here, remarry amongst your own people because this is what you are familiar with. And Orpha, the one daughter-in-law, said, okay. But Ruth said to her, no, no, I'm going to go with you. Your people will be my people and your God will be my God. Where you live, I will live. And so they went back. As she was approaching her community, the people saw her and they welcomed Naomi. And she said, don't call me Naomi anymore. I've changed my name. My name is Mara, which means bitter. She had become bitter with life. In the pain and struggle she had gone through, she had become a bitter individual. But God was working. And her daughter-in-law, Ruth, married a man named Boaz. They had a child. Their life began to prosper. They took Naomi in. And Naomi said, I've changed my name back to Naomi because the Lord had blessed me. Isn't it amazing how God works in circumstances and situations? And in the moment, we might not understand it. But the Apostle Paul had said these words in Romans 5. And it gives us a perspective when we're going through the hard times. Suffering produces endurance. And endurance produces character. And character produces hope. And hope does not disappoint us because God's love has been poured into our hearts. So God is saying, I will take the pain and the struggles of life and use it for good. How is he going to do that? Well, ultimately, it's for the formation of our character. So I'd like to dispel for a moment a myth that many people have. And this is the myth. That when I get all my problems solved and all my relationships sorted out, then I'll be okay. Then I'll be happy. I don't think that's correct. And the reason is this. Life seems to be a series of solving problems and always working at relationships. But in the midst of all that, solving problems and working on relationships, we can still discover joy. Because joy is based in the confidence of knowing and trusting God regardless. Because he is working in our life and we see him in doing that. So what are we going to do? I want to suggest one thing. Focus on the power and the presence of God. Well, I guess that's two things. Listen to these words from Psalm 62. Trust in God at all times. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. So if I believe that God is in control, I will choose then to trust him. You see, I rejoice not in my circumstances, but I rejoice in God. Why do I rejoice in God? Because he is with me. Look at these words from Isaiah 43. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, and the flames 
will not consume you. That is the promise that God gives to us in this journey of life that we are actually on. Regardless of the circumstances and situations, we will not be overwhelmed. And the reason is this. God is with us. You know, at Christmas, we are revealed that one of the names given to Jesus is Emmanuel, which means, literally, God with me. Are there times that you forget that truth, that God is with me? I would invite you every morning, as you get out of bed and as your feet hit the floor, say these words as you begin your day. God is with me. God is with me. But the second thing is this. God will help me. Psalm 43 says, Why are you downcast? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my help and my God. God is our help, so open your heart and life to him. And you see, joy comes not in our circumstances, but it comes through our relationship with Jesus as he lives in us and through us. This psalm is not a formula for joy. This psalm introduces us to a way of life that brings joy. Because you know this reality, God is with me. Let's pray together. Lord, as we begin this new year, we have all kinds of hopes and dreams and expectations. We don't know what the year will unfold. For some, there will be high points, and others, there will be low points. For all of us, it's probably going to be an incredible mixture. But we are thankful to know that you are with us, and that is the promise that we hold on to with all of our heart. And when you are with us, our life is filled with joy, because you are the God who is working in the midst of all circumstances and situations to bring about your plan for good for each one of us. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. And now as you enter into this new year, may you know that the Lord is with you, not only today, but always. And may the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, be with you and keep your heart forever and ever. Amen. Hi again, this is Leah. Thanks for listening to our podcast today. We hope that you were encouraged by what you just heard. Just so you know a little bit more about who we are, hashtag for Paris, our church is about creating a culture that shows people that we are for them and for our local community. Jesus invites us to experience a meaningful life with him and others. So we meet every Sunday morning in person at the Paris Presbyterian Church at 10.30 a.m. and throughout the week in various home groups and pubs here in Paris. It is here that we experience authentic relationships and we grow deep in our faith journeys together. 
If you would like to connect with us further, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. And it is here that you can find links to any of our other audio and video podcasts, sermons, and you can track with what's happening with us each month. Please go straight to our website for more information now about our home groups and how you can get involved. Our website is parisprez.ca. Yes, that's right, parisprez, P-R-E-S-B dot C-A. And it's there that you can share our links with your friends, family, and neighbors. Uh, We have friends from around the world who connect in with us online on a regular basis. And so lastly, please feel free to email me and get connected directly. I would love to chat with you. My email is leah at parispres.ca, and I'll get right back to you. So that's all we have for now. Thanks again for joining, and we'll see you again next week. Bye for now, everyone.